the hell's going on? I thought I told you to split. Yeah, we tried. Hunter came by the house this morning, spotted Gogo, saw the scratches. Shit. Yeah, that ain't it. Jack's rattled Frankie, man. He and Hunter both know we did the break-ins. They're coming after us. Where are the others? They're spun out, Clay. Frankie and Gogo. They're talking about killing Hunter. Clay. What are we gonna do? You gonna put on your masks? You gonna break in? You gonna kill him? Welcome to Killer Casting. I'm your host, Lisa Zambetti. I cast television, film, video games, commercials, documentaries, podcasts, audiobooks, all that stuff. And with me today is my wingman, my thunder from down under, Dean Laffin. Hey, Dean. Howdy, 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 folks. And uh, very excited to be back in the chair and back on the pod after a little bit of a holiday, didn't we? We sort of took That's some time. That's right. We, we kind of took, took some time. Yeah, we took the summer off kind of for a couple of of reasons the few that we, we can talk about some <laughs> we can't talk about but mm. one of, but one of them is that there is a double strike going on as many people know the wga and the sag after a strike going on and in solidarity to those folks it was kind of hard for us to jump on and start to talk about the finale of succession or season two of the bear because their members are being asked not to do that, not to promote work. And so we wanted to honor that. In fact, I was a guest on a podcast, Dean, all about the bear and I had to tell them I can't promote this at all. I mean, <laughs> anyway, but we are back. And for a very good reason, I was out taking a hike with a bunch of casting directors, which sounds very weird and very bougie, but we were all taking a hike and I don't know why this actor's name came up. I don't even remember why. But I mentioned this actor and every single casting director was like, we love him so much. And I'm like, well, I was just in a Zoom with him. We were talking about projects and I want to have him on my podcast. So you may not immediately know our guest's name, but he's been in over what, like something ridiculous, like 78 TV shows and films, and just I'm just going to name off a few, not to embarrass him, but let, let's let's name off a couple of. Oh, these, let's do okay? that. Now let's let's, let's embarrass let's, him. A let's little. do it. We got we got NCIS, Quantum Leap, Station 19, Another Life, Seal Team, The Good Doctor, The Village, NCIS New Orleans, The Rookie. I mean, I could go on and on and on. It's kind of ridiculous, shameless. Uh, Sons of Anarchy. I, oh I was going to say a little show called Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. yeah, and so please welcome. Welcome, the astonishing Kurt Yeager. Yeggs, hi. Hey, thanks guys for having me. I am a fully embarrassed human being. Thank you. <laughs> I find that hard Mission to believe. I find that hard to believe. So Kurt, I have a confession. Okay. So even though you've been in to audition for many offices that I've worked for, if not, you know, audition for me specifically, and your amazing agents have pitched your ass to me many, many times, and I've yet had the honor to cast you. You know, I thought I had like a sense of who you were. I thought I knew who you were, but I didn't know one thing, a little tiny detail about you. 
that I never knew until we recently connected and had mm. a conversation. And that is that not only are you an amazing actor, but you are an actor who has a disability. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, a below the knee amputee. So you can see this bad boy before. Like this right. guy. Hey, there we are. Um, that's, right. our, that's, that's our social media post right there. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and I just... Not that I, I'm sure that you've talked about this to death and I don't want you to have to regurgitate anything you've already talked about ad nauseum, but I think it's really interesting that you do walk in the world as an actor who is not, doesn't visually isn't identified as having a disability and you mm -hmm. do stunts, you do an incredible amount of very active roles. Anybody who's seen your work, you ride motorcycles, you, you run, you jump, you, you use weapons, you get exploded, you get your ass kicked, mm. you know, and it's really yeah. incredible. And on the other hand, you have had roles where you very obviously demonstrate that you, you are an amputee. And I just wonder if yeah. you kind of want to talk about that a little bit and what that means to you. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, being, you know, able to either wear pants and be looked upon as if you're an able-bodied person or wearing shorts and now you're looked upon as being disabled, that you get to have one foot in both worlds, literally. Mm -hmm. And so you get to have experiences and conversations with people that sort of lend towards like what creation could look like inside a film and television i think that really like breaks apart like some of the old tropes it's like wait a minute if you're if you're riding motorcycles but you have one like but you ran up the empire state building in 20 minutes and 19 seconds for charity but you're disabled but what you know what i mean like that kind of like i guess visual representation i think is starting to catch on everywhere about like what people think of disabilities in general you know yeah. and and the thing is i want to stress is we all have biases we all have tropes we all have ideas of what things are and you know i'm i'm in my own community and i'm telling you i make mistakes you know what i mean like mm -hmm. is it death with a big d little d depends is it hard of mm -hmm. hearing is it this the, you know and you're like okay 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 and you're like figuring things out so i try to like go at this conversation with a lot of grace because i remember what it was like to not be disabled right, right you know right. like to have no knowledge of anything whatsoever in the space so I yeah. think that's a really interesting thing, yeah. One of the quotes that I came across from you, Kurt, in research was you said, I'm quoting, I hope I get this right, all of us <laughs> at some all of us at some point in our lives will end up disabled, right? Yeah. So age age will bring that to us at at some point. And I thought that was yeah. great. And I also loved the term the AAC the adaptive athletes whatever that I've forgotten the last letter of the acronym but the word adaptive I reckon that's that is just mm -hmm. so that is so true for yeah. people like yourself who've you know let's say lost a limb or have some sort of disability we call it a disability you know I don't I'm not really comfortable with that with that word I think adaptive is really good because you have to adapt you, you know when something's happening yeah, to you it's, you've got to adapt yeah it's it's super interesting because like, you know, like saying you're just once you're going to be disabled once in your life, at least, you know, it's almost like, oh, wait, then it's just a part of life, mm -hmm. meaning it's literally part of the end of, you know, the bookends, like there's birth, there's death, there is disability, no matter what inside of this construct. So yep. instead of it being like an outlier, which is, that's how it's treated, right, it should be treated as if, 
you know, like like a, a friend of mine is a, a blind lawyer and he's brilliant. I've never seen a blind lawyer on TV. And if they write a blind lawyer, then it's like everything about his blindness. My buddy doesn't care about being blind. He's like, yeah, whatever. Anyways, yeah. back to the legal arguments. <laughs> right, right, right. Fascinating. Well, yeah, and it's something that casting directors are just, we want to embrace so much is inclusivity irrespective of what the actual role is you know we want to go beyond that it's written the part is written for somebody who is a wheelchair using actor or or not but and I think I shared this with you when we spoke last time Kurt but I was casting something and you know the studio and network very rightly wanted us to be as inclusive as possible they wanted us to include every kind of body and every kind of ability and so we were really looking for an opportunity to use an actor who had a wheel who used a wheelchair and the showrunners knew that we were auditioning all kinds of people in this role all kinds of actors in this role including actors who used wheelchairs and actors who were not disabled. And it turns out, all things being equal, an actor who used a wheelchair was the choice. The director loved him, and that's who everybody wanted to go with, including the writer. And then when it came to actually, you know, it was coming up for his work day, all of a sudden the line producer is like, you're going to have to replace this actor because we don't have an ADA-compliant trailer to put him in. And my jaw just, I was like, well, how could that possibly be? And how can you be asking me? I mean, they weren't, they weren't thinking it through what they were asking me to do to replace right. this actor and have to go back and tell his people, I'm sorry, we, you know, what, how do you feel when you hear a story like that? Which by the way, we did not replace him. We found a solution. Of course there was a solution and right, it was right. hard to make him feel comfortable and safe. But anyway. Well, I mean, <clears throat> The thing is, you're here, you, you hear about it and audience is hearing about it. They're like, what? That's crazy. There's a hundred for everyone you hear about. Yeah. And so it's actually quite sad and disturbing. You know, when you really boil it down, it's like pretty heavy. And I've been on the SAG after committee for performers with disabilities for what, 11 years, 12 years. And everyone tells me every story. You know, getting to set and having to be carried upstairs yeah. because they didn't think about it. There was no elevator. There was no bathrooms available for them. So they had to go down to the street to a restaurant. Like, just like things, like yeah. the dehumanizing stuff that happens is, you know, atrocious. But I think, like, the thing about from, like, a casting perspective is instead of being like, oh, you know, like, this character could be blind or deaf or whatever else, it's really, like, learning about the qualities that somebody has because mm -hmm. of their disability. Like mm. me losing my leg was the best day of my life. It just mm. took me five years to realize it. <laughs> you know, it made me more empathetic. It made me more understanding. It. I lost 60 pounds in the hospital. I was there for three and a half months. And it made me understand like the totality of weakness, meaning like, hey, I picked up a sponge and my arm's tired. Like mm. I didn't know that mm -hmm. before. I didn't have a sense of it. It taught me who my family was. It taught me who some of my friends weren't, right? Mm. Like, I mean, yeah. it taught, it's, it's taught me so many things that people will say to me, Kurt, do you wish you could have your leg back? And I'm like, hell yeah. <clears throat> but do I get to keep everything I learned from losing it? Mm -hmm. yeah, and yeah. the answer is no. So then I'm like, no, I'd rather have lost it. Wow. Mm. And so I think when you think about disabilities as what you gain, yeah. as opposed to the only conversation is what they lose. Right. Or right, right, right. what? What can't they do? It's like, what can they do 
not only in spite of everybody's perception, but what can they do because all day long they are problem solvers going against the tide of idealized like versions of who they are. Yeah. Like they're problem solvers, they're thinkers, they're outside the box people. They're they got heavier shoulders and stronger, you know. And you, like it's just like, what about all those other kinds of stories? So you think about hmm. like a TV character that you're thinking about. Like I don't want to play a character that's written as an amputee, that's, but yeah, but like I would love to be in the position to say, hey, this character can be an amputee, but don't write the character. Let me play a male that uh, you know has yeah. my disposition and has my actor's range, right? right like my right, actor's right. range is good guy with a dark edge or That's bad right. guy with a heart. Bad guy with a heart <laughs> of gold. Good boy gone bad. Bad. I, so I, was, I was just looking at your reel, by the way, just before we jumped yeah. on it. That's exactly how I would describe you. That, I, yeah. I, in terms of describing Kurt, folks, if you're listening to this, we'll, we'll, we will have some posts up and you'll be able to see Kurt and you can look him up anyway. But I had to, I chuckled this morning, Kurt, when I was researching and I was clicking through the links in your references in your Wikipedia. And one of them was to a, a, a website called Promi Flash. It's a German website. The whole thing's in German. I had to, <laughs> I, I, I had to translate it, but it describes you as, quote, and I'm reading this, Sons of Anarchy Hottie. Kurt Yeager, soon in a new Netflix hit. That was for another life. And I was like, oh, there you go. So he's a hottie, folks. He's officially a hottie in, in Germany. Yes. In Germany. Yeah. In my, in, my, in my you know professional opinion, yes, sir, you are a hottie. I can say that, you know, with impunity. But I, um, I just want to circle back on just something he said just now, because, you know, the role I was talking about that we were casting, that was a conversation that kind of came up where the second AD, who I love, I love my second AD, but he was wasn't thinking and he's like you know lisa why mm -hmm. don't you just wait till there's a a role with a wheelchair using actor to cast this guy in and it's like all i, I my head was just like i don't know how to even approach what you're saying to me first of all that's the fucking point that this was a role of a reporter and this was a good opportunity because it, it could be in a newsroom and not like out yeah. in the desert or something like that and also, that's what we're trying to do is just be inclusive. And like you say, there was a quality about this actor that we wanted that didn't have really anything that, that it was beyond, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway. One of the stats that I know that you've made people aware of, Kurt, is that around 20 odd percent of Americans have some form of disability, mm -hmm. but they, they sort of comprise of less than 2% of characters in television and film. And only 1% have talking parts. So that's uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot of work yeah. still to be done, yeah? Well, that statistic that 2% of characters on television have a disability. It doesn't mean 2% of actors on television have that disability or a disability. Mm. It's only the characters. A lot of them are played by non-disabled actors. Yeah. So you're talking about the, the real percentage is 0.015%, which is 0. 0.00015. Wow, that's wow. so. It's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty rough, you know. So tell um, tell us what needs. I mean, it seems obvious what needs to change, but you and I know it has to come from the creatives demanding yeah, this this yeah. role or this or to your point, not this role. This actor, this actor needs to be cast. Yeah, I mean, in my case, I think it's 
unique because I have, like you mentioned at the top, enough work that it's like, okay, how do we put Kurt in a pod in our studio or production company? Give him an overall. Let's figure out how to get him, you know, multi-season potentially the show going well series regular character where he also because i write he's also informing on the writing and everything else that's making this character super interesting and amazing but that comes from the studio or a you know a, a production pod right mm-hmm. like there's no room around that because i think a lot of actors forget that you know actors agents and casting directors are sort of in this grouping and the casting director works for the writer director who then works for the studio so there's like a chain of custody of power and power dynamics and we might want to do something but you got to go through several no's in order to get to even the top now you could get through those and they're all yeses but it's a lot harder to try to like slap that on the end of the project after 14 approvals have come through the writing from, you know, the seven executives in, in current or in you know new, new content. Like it's like starting at the beginning, like how do we utilize something like that? Like what character can Kurt play? That is the, one of the six characters we want to see as a lead character, but what does he bring? That's also something different so he can do everything he can do all the stunts he could do all the running the motorcycles the bikes like an actor right mm-hmm. no, not talking shit but probably better than a lot of actors <laughs> so <laughs> you know, and i'm like all right all right but then then there's this whole other thing that could happen that would like destroy audiences perception of what mm-hmm. disabilities is and if you start with one and you undo it completely then they're like well that was successful let's do it again and again and again the other thing that needs to be done, I think, is like, you know, like we like mentioned, is is seeing the value in in having someone with a disability playing a character that is not written disabled. Like, what value is that? And and I think I go when I speak to a lot of the writers. You know, the easiest way to convince them of of their writing flaw is saying, "Hey, I know you want to write like a wheelchair user in this role." And I go, but a, a wheelchair is not a character trait. A wheelchair is a mode of transportation. The person who's using the wheelchair, that's the character. Like, mm. So write any character and then cast, right? Like from yeah. up high down, right. someone with that gravitas to play a character. And Oh, we didn't find it for one. Let's find it for number two. Number two on a call sheet. Nope. Number three on a call sheet. Nope. Number four on a call sheet. And so you're bringing in people that will impress upon the studio heads and the production companies that, wait, there's some really brilliant talent out there and we want to find out what else they have to offer. I think that's the, I mean, there's no other way around that. Like it's, I mean, the CSA has done a great job on like doing casting initiatives for performers with disabilities. Like they asked me to come in and be a reader, you know, and just like hang out. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to, you know, and spend time with other disabled actors Riders with disabilities, you know, you think, oh, there should be a lot of them, but they make up less than 0.15% of riders. Right. Last year, there were zero directors with disabilities. Like, it's like, whew. Right, right. Uh, But I also think, Kurt, like, if people don't see it, they don't know they can be it. So people Mm -hmm. aren't just immediately gravitating, if you're you're disabled, thinking that there's a place for me. And when you don't have a pool of people 
And, or even if you do have a pool of people, if you're not getting the opportunity to get better, because we did have a role, a series regular role that was specifically written to be a wheelchair using, you know, wheelchair using character. And we did a massive search and I, and I read tons and tons of, of folks who were, had potential, but could not yet carry the show yeah, i get it and of course yeah. because they haven't had a chance they haven't yeah. had those little co-star guest star recurring to have the you know the gravitas to be the professionalism to, right. the experience the all that comes with it right so know? they ended up scrapping that yeah. entire character which i guess is better than casting it with somebody setting who's up not- for someone yeah right. doing that or even setting up the person for failure Right. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, like I, I, I honestly, and it's not saying anything. It's just, it just takes a big difference between being athletic and being a professional athlete. It's like a giant chasm. It's like yeah. being a good actor and being a professional, right? Like it's like, like lead characters. And like, that's never that, that kind of like juxtaposition of my specific disability with that kind of power. That's what I want to be able to do. And those are conversations like, you know, creative conversation. That's a Dick Wolf straight conversation and them going, shit, that's a good idea. And then mm. presenting it to them that way. There's there's no other way to go around it, you know, really. Yeah. Because, but it's not, it's not like looking at them saying, it's unfair that you don't think this way. It's like, why would you? You're not disabled. Like, you don't know. Like, I thought before I was disabled that my life was over. Like, month looking at my leg and my pelvis, I'm like, shit, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do anything. And then like, I was like, no, screw that. I'm going to do everything. And then I like figured it out. And then I I didn't have any idea I would be this capable. Like, And then when I talked to other friends, I I didn't realize that they could be that capable. And I'm like, man, was I an asshole? And I was like, no, I just didn't know. Yeah. I just didn't know. Yeah. I love the quote from, from you. You were interviewed once and you said, I don't like being afraid of things. And that yeah. really resonated with me. I get really angry if if I if I feel fear, I'm angry at myself for being afraid, and it sort of drives yeah. me to do things. And then you said, the more scary something is for me, the more I realised I wanted to do it because facing your fears is what teaches you the most. And I remember once I was getting up really early in the morning, about four thirty a.m. to go up to the snow and ski in Melbourne, and as I walked into the backyard, I instantly realized someone was in the process of stealing my car right so they Mm. opened the door they were working on the ignition and it was pitch black it was dark and I was super afraid like I was just like instantly like terrorized but then a half a second later I was just fucking furious at being afraid and I just I just let out this roar and just went straight at this guy and you know that was so your reaction about not being afraid and don't like being afraid. I was like, yeah, yeah. I get that. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard, you know it's great, man. No, I appreciate that, Sharon. I totally agree. Totally agree, dude. Kurt, just you've recounted many, many times, and it's often right up the top of an interview with you. You famously came, or infamously, I suppose, came off a, a Ducati you were riding at the time, and that's what messed yeah. you up. And I just wanted to quickly, to save you the trouble, I'll, I'll quickly rattle off that you, your left leg was amputated below the knee, but your right yeah. leg, uh, i.e. the good one, you still blew apart the ACL, the MCL, you tore your pelvis in half and along with your yeah. bladder, seven vertebrae broken, lungs collapsed, multiple broken ribs and a severe concussion. So uh, you've, uh, you've, 
done very well to come back from that in, in any way, shape, yeah. or form. But <laughs> but what I wanted to ask you about is this: this happened when you were at university, you were studying, yeah. And and as a cave diver, I'm fascinated by the fact that you were studying hydrogeology. How did a kid from yeah. San Francisco become interested in hydrogeology? Well, well. That's a long story. I mean, I, so I, I was I was working on my master's in hydrogeology when the motorcycle happened. I was doing research at Berkeley Labs, doing fluvial experimentation on dam removal and trying to remediate the waters as you released it, so it wouldn't kill the downstream ecology, etc. Ad nauseum. Um, right. But how I naturally got to that place was before that I was a BMX rider. I rode yep. BMX like in the X Games. So totally. Goes from extreme sports right into hard science. <laughs> Go figure. All right. Now, listen, w- when you're on the BMX, you got the nickname. Of w- when you were riding, you had a nickname of Crowbar. What was that? What, what's the, what does that mean? <laughs> what does Crowbar mean? I mean, it's usually it's, now, now I'm like trying to think of the right way to say it because I've been around so many people that didn't grow up in a rough neighborhood to try to mm. explain it. I, I just got in a lot of tips. <laughs> Here and there, <laughs> yep. And I was really, really sweet, you know. And it was like if you cross the line, then I just like would turn. Right. Uh, one time, there was a group of people that wanted to fight, and I was fighting three people at a time. And one of them had a crowbar, hit me in the face, and that <laughs> lit me up. So then I beat them up, took the crowbar, beat a couple of them up. <laughs> friend ran in me, trying to make me stop. So I didn't notice it was my friend, so I hit him. Like yep. I just kind of white line fever. Yeah. You just yeah, oh on or God. off. Yeah. <laughs> Two oh speeds. Yeah, it, 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 it is. It's on. It's on or off. Like it's like you know. And it's like I think that's yeah. why I get to play the characters I play. Yeah, you know? intense. Well, okay. <laughs> I wanted to. So let's yeah. pivot to that. So Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> I guess you're. You're. Yeah. No, I have not. Wa- I, ha- I have not watched Sons of Anarchy. Although I think I've cast like a million people from that show because it kind of is mm-hmm. a natural transition to some of the things that I work on. And talk about yeah. a killer cast. I mean, what a cast. I, I really loved watching your reel and seeing some of the scenes from there. But talk about your character was called Greg the Peg. So can you talk about the yeah. character and the casting process and what that what happened there? Yeah, what's crazy is actually I, I couldn't get in the room. I tried my ass off. I, I couldn't get over there. I couldn't convince anybody to see me. I did everything. I reached out to Paris Barclay. I did, I did everything, right? And I actually was at a motorcycle charity event riding for, I don't remember what it was. I think it was called the Boot Campaign, which was you buy boots and the money goes to veterans who had been injured. And so I went there and there were some of the guys from Sons and Kurt Sutter happened to be there. And I was like, hey, this is my moment to go up and talk to Kurt. And I know Kurt's disposition overall, but because of his like style, I matched his style and went up and just said, hey, nice to meet you, man. I really love the show. You guys captured Northern California motorcycle clubs really well, getting them down to like Jack's wearing white kicks, like that's how NorCal guys do it, mm-hmm. where everyone else in the country probably hates you because they're wearing boots. He's like, that's right, man. I'm glad you noticed. I'm like, great. I'm like you got it nailed. He's like, thanks. I'm like, you're only you're only missing one thing. And he goes, what? And I go, every club has a guy go down and rip their leg off. And then <laughs> he goes, what? And I go, here, check this out. And he's like, holy shit. And I'm like, here, here's my card, man. I won't tell you how good of an actor I am, but I I can ride motorcycles better than all your actors. That was cool. <laughs> so there wasn't a character and, yet. You there wasn't a character yet. No. Wow. No, like, and then uh, seven eight months later. I get a request to go in and we read for Wendy and go in and there's everybody lined up. And 
Paris is there. And I, I remember I like, I was, you know, I was nervous, right? I was like, I made this happen. I can't fuck it up now. Mm. <laughs> and so I had a few whiskeys before I went in <laughs> and then I sprayed a bunch of like, cologne on me trying to cover up the whiskey so then i'm like give her a hug and she's like, oh you smell great and in front of everyone because i was a little bit tipsy i'm like yeah she's covering up the whiskey and cigarettes mm-hmm. and she's laughing the room laughs and then i do <laughs> a couple times and they're like this it's just brilliant and then paris goes oh it says so you're an you're an expert a motorcycle rider are you any good and i'm like well that's why it says expert <laughs> and i didn't mean it that way but he was like good answer and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, but then, but then before the day was over, you know, it was like 10 in the morning before the day was over, I was network approved. So I knew it had been. Yeah. Set yeah, up yeah, like yeah. That, yeah. And what was the role? Can you ta- tell us a little bit about Greg the Peg? Yeah. Yeah. I was a club member. So there's like clubs have like their primary members that are of a location. And that was like the Redwood chapter. And then what I was, was a member of what's called a nomad. So I could go to club to club to club and be welcomed anywhere I go because I'm being nomadic. Mm-hmm. So I was part of the nomad club of the Sons of Anarchy club. And then I came to town, did some work for one of them, for Ron Perlman's character, and then kind of like sort of did some bad things in it and no shot spoilers. some people, killed some people. And then, yeah. And then get so, killed. You know, it's like sort of club, club member running around, you know, doing everything as another club member. So you're in this Frickin' cast with, you know, Mark Boone, Jr., Kim Coates, you know, as you say, Ron Perlman, so, Theo Rossi, so many, like, just heavy mm-hmm. hitters. What, I mean, I, I am assuming that was an amazing experience, but is there any, is there any nugget that you took away from working with those guys who just are just such icons? Yeah, I mean, you know, they were all cool, chill. I, I like that it was sort of like a boys club where there was no pretension as much you know as you know at least when i came in on there i remember watching like charlie hunnam walk around with a cork a wine cork in his mouth trying to get you know keep his british accent at bay right you know mm-hmm. like yeah we speak more forward in the mouth and so Absolutely. if you put something here right if you talk like back here then everything's the more you know different part of britain and whatnot so right. it's like like figuring that out right seeing the professionalism mm-hmm. you know everyone being trying to make the place a good set. Right. Yeah, I saw that for the most part, like trying to be like, hey, let's just keep this going. Let's just keep this going. Let's not screw this up. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So then you did a string of the NCIS shows that are cast by my dear friend, Jason Kennedy, who's been on the show before. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk to me about that relationship and how, how you got to go from show to show to show? Yeah. Jason, shout out. He's like the best human being ever. I love him. He's great. So I read for the original series and they remembered me for a role that came up in the NCIS LA universe and they offered it to me. So then I did five episodes on LA and then I was like, man, I really want to like work with my friend Catherine Bietti, who's a writer on NCIS New Orleans while it was still on air. And I was like, Jason, you know, you know, the show runner. And he's like, yeah, but I mean, I can't just like reach out to him. And I'm like, yes, you can. And, you know, he's like, come on. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, look, this is a good idea. You know, you got Daryl Chill Mitchell on the show. I know him. We both were injured in motorcycles. Like, there's got to be something to do. And he, he's like, fine, I'll just send a note. And Chris happened to have been just talking with Catherine about bringing 
the idea of me into the show and figuring out what that looked like. So then that happened, did that episode. And that episode I did won a bunch of awards, was the second highest number of disabled performers in television history in one episode. Mm-hmm. Did a lot of really cool things, won a Media Access Award. And then Chris Silbert and Jan Nash at NCIS Hawaii, I guess, remembered me. I read for a role, you know. And and, and these are all different episode. roles. They're not having you recur as the same character right. in all of these, right? Yeah, so that so Variety did an article on me a couple of months ago that I was the first actor to be in all four NCISs as a different character, which I guess is important because NCIS is all the same universe. So yes. I shouldn't be able to. Well, uh, that's what I was going to say. This is, that is a big, <laughs> big no-no. I can tell you that, you know, when you have a show that's been on for a really long time and is in syndication, it's really important yeah. to the fans that uh, it's, it's uh, kind of hard for me to explain, but you don't reuse actors ever, even though you've been on for 15 years or but whatever. But the fans and then, love and, me. And yes, I know, I know. Unless you they bring the me. character back, unless you, you know, and, and so sometimes we would do that is write to the character yeah. for whatever, have Sergeant Smitty come back for whatever. So it is really special that they created different roles for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, and it's all good, great people. And, you know, met all the showrunners and producers and everybody else. And that's opened up doors for like the writing side of everything I've done. You know, people take my meetings. You know, we're we're developing shows right now. Well, we're on hold right now. Right, but, right, right. right. Um, right. You know, we're waiting to get back to everything, and I have you know four different shows in the works. Well, so well, that's wonderful to hear because if Jason, you know, yeah. is too busy to do one of them, then hi, you, I'll, I'm, happy, <laughs> I'm happy to meet on on that with you, Dean. Did you want to jump in? Yeah, I I, I owe J I owe Jason. I'm I'm like. I even wrote him into a feature film that I'm penning on the side. And I, I called him and I was like, Jason, I'm going to write you. And he's like, no, don't, don't, don't. I'm like, you're absolutely going to play this character. He's like, don't, don't, please don't. So, yeah. Look, we, you, we just touched on NCIS and, uh, and Sons of Anarchy and some, you know, really interesting characters like Ron Perlman. I, it seems to me from the videos I've seen Ron like talking to camera, but being himself, he seems like a funny guy, very dry sense of humor. Is that, is that actually true? Yeah. Yeah. He was magnanimous. Like he was funny and quick witted and like punchy, you know, and dry humor. Like, you know, just give you a rub, but kind of like, you know, it's sort of like, what is it? Like if you're talking shit to somebody, and you're that kind of human, you're actually complimenting them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah. Funny yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 yeah I see you, you also worked with one of my favorites, which is Michael Madsen. Yeah. And, I and like you, Michael. You, you, you mentioned whiskey before, and I believe there was a fair bit of whiskey involved in that job. Is that right? Tell us about that. Well, you know, yeah. 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 So we got along very well drinking whiskey <laughs> hanging out. Like and you know, he he's he's one of those guys, like, you know, there's like there's like I don't know, you know, back me up on this, Lisa, if I'm right. You know, there's like categories of actors, meaning there's like types, and I don't mean like character types that they could do, I just mean like types. Like some are like, you know, you know actor life is like their life. everything, everything is like right and then there's the other ones that are like sort of half and half and there's another category that are like professional but then they're like acting right they're like i i love it but it's like finding something deep and and 
Michael is like one, I think the guy who loves acting, but it's like, it's also a caricature of himself in a way. Mm, like he's yeah. just, you know, so he's, he's tough became around an, the edges, he, everything else. Yeah. He's became an art. He's yeah. become an archetype of his own. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Persona. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. so, and so, like, you know, he's like, he's tough guy, right? And he's like, no nonsense. Doesn't, you know, necessarily want to be fucked around with by people. And hey, Mr. Madsen, how you doing? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, just, just fuck, right? Like, he's that guy. And I'm yeah. like, I know exactly how you feel. So, <laughs> sitting there on set for like three days and haven't said one word to him, right? And we're, we're in scenes together. And then I'm just like, Michael, he's like, yeah, yeah. Rye or bourbon? And he's like, <laughs> rye. And I'm like, yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> you know, he's like, what do you mean I'm wrong? What do you, what do you mean? And he says, like, we just like, and then he's like, come, come by the hotel room and talk. And then from then for the next several weeks, it was like really fun. And I liked him a lot. You know, he told me a lot of stuff about his personal life that I obviously don't repeat, but like, mm. Once, once you got after out outside of that veneer, he's just a you know great guy. Like it's just super fun. I enjoyed him. Well, I have a, I have a connection with Michael actually, even though I live in Melbourne. I bought, I, I've got four samurai sword replicas of the from oh, Kill Bill, and nice. Michael Michael signed. I've got Bud Sword with the inscription engraved yeah, on the blade. Yeah. You know, from when Bill gave it to him in the film, Bill said had it. Bud Sword says to my brother Bud, the only man I ever loved, right? And it's that's engraved on my replica sword. But Michael yeah, signed cool. signed the sword and sent it over, and he uh, he sent me a video message. It's only 40 seconds long. I'm going to share it with you. Just We'll see what he said. Here we go. Mm-hmm. So this is my son's name is Jack. And this, this, this. Hey, Jack. I just want to say hello to you, and I appreciate the fact that you've been thinking about me. I sure hope you like the sword. It's super cool. They make them really good. Thanks for thinking of Mike Madsen. It means a lot to me, you know. Be a good boy. Behave yourself. Listen to your father. And you're going to go far in life, Chief. Maybe someday I'll get to meet you. I hope so. But thanks for your blessings. And have fun. Enjoy yourself, kiddo. And God bless. Yeah, totally. Now, is that like a cameo? or Is that like on cameo? Or how did you get that? Um, his agent, I, I contacted his agent because the guy that was selling the swords to me from the US kept making excuses and I'd already paid him. And I'm like, this is a con, right? I'm, I'm, I've lost my yeah. money, right? And uh, so I, I, I looked on IMDb Pro, found his agent and rang him and his name was Bruno. Thanks, Bruno, if you're listening. Okay. Um, and Bruno said, oh, well, actually, I know on Sunday there's a guy going over to Michael's house and Michael's signing swords for him. And I went, oh, that man, lo and behold, it turned up. So anyway, Bruno said, oh, what's your son's name? I said, his name's Jack. Why? He goes, no, no, no reason. And then he just emailed me that. That's great. Oh, like a week later. So it was nice of Mike and and Bruno to do that. So there's my little Mike Madsen connection. So there you go. Another, another, oh, sorry, just one more thing. You are in, you had a recurring role in another series called Quarry. Yes. Which which is I which by sheer coincidence I started to watch it about a month ago. It was recommended uh, because to yeah. me because I, I'm in a Mr. In Between Facebook fan group, and of course Damon Herriman is in Mr. In Between. Mm-hmm. 
And and Matt Nabel, I didn't realise, Lisa, our oh, man Matt Nabel, our also Matt. from Mr. In-Between, makes an appearance in that as well. I haven't got to him yet. So what was the experience yeah. like and how did you come to Quarry? Yeah, audition. You know, Alexa Fogel, I believe, was casting director oh, on that. Goddess. Fantastic. And yeah. she, you know, thought I'd be perfect for the role, did it, and played a character. How far are you into this? I don't want to do it. Oh, no, like first first or one and a half eps, I think. So, yeah. Okay, okay. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got to be careful about what I say. Uh, I'm not a good person in this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's a few. There's quite a few bad yeah. guys. you got some competition already, I know. Yeah, well, let, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. I had to really work at figuring out how to play the character authentically. And what I came up with was the difference between a kitten and an older cat. A kitten <laughs> will see a mouse and jump on it and go ah, and bite it. And it's like, ah, oh, I killed it. Dang. An older cat will fuck with the mouse yeah. over and over yeah. and play and say, hmm, I wonder how I'm going to kill you this time. I wonder, hmm, let me, oh, are you dead yet? No, not yet. I'm going to look over here. <laughs> and, you know, and like wow. just nasty, just Boing. nasty. Yeah. yeah, like just a nasty guy. So my voice is different. My things are different. My chops are like, I got like, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to Google, like pull up a Google, type my name and then quarry. Quarry. Okay. In Google. And you'll see, like, you could put that up on here. Well, I'm <laughs> looking forward to seeing you in another life. I, I need a new show to binge and I want to see you in that because Katie is like one of my my idols yeah but there's so many things that you've been in that i haven't seen that i can't wait katie and i you know we, we've ridden motorcycles together that's how we originally met she's just oh. out riding motorcycles yeah so she rides i rode and it's cool she's cool well before i let you go i did want you to have a chance to talk about a project that you do have coming up that is okay to talk about because it looks like it is under the interim agreement for SAG-AFTRA. Do you want yeah. to talk about Sunrise and what it's all about? It would have fantastic cast. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sunrise great. That's a great film we shot in Ireland and uh, got to work with the Guy Pierce and Alex Pettifer. So oh, wow. really fun and met some really cool people on set. Um, you know, without giving too much away, it's sort of like a film about vengeance about you know the opportunity to get vengeance mm -hmm. uh, and so it has sort of a vi vampire-esque vibe to it like mm. it has some superpowers in it that allows the individual to be able to get you know some revenge but it's just sort of like a dark tale almost like like tales of the crypt that's what it feels like it's like right. just a really like sort of slow burn where you're like where is the next bad thing gonna happen so oh i love that pretty and cool and what and what is your role? And did they was is there any disability to the role, or is it just somebody that doesn't even matter? Or yeah, no no disabilities in in that role. We never established if I'm Guy Pierce's brother or Guy Pierce's cousin, mm -hmm. but I am definitely related to him, and I'm sort of his right hand man who does some dastardly deeds. Oh. But I also played it differently because I I did it more like. If I were, you know, not the smart one, then how would I just do his bidding? But like, you know, always trying to impress. So I wanted mm -hmm. to do different because like if there's like three tough guys in it, then it's like, a it's like boring. So I wanted yeah, to play exactly. a little like, I was a little slower on the uptick. I was a little like, 
wanting to be sort of like, all right, let's do this. All right, let's just, I don't think it's working. Shut up. I, I think you're right. I probably shouldn't have questioned you. I'm sorry. Like, like that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But then when you're bad, you're still nasty. Right. You know, it's right, like, right. it's almost like how, how like, you know, abusive relationships work, where if you get hit yes. in the head a lot, eventually you're, you're not going to hit the person who hits you if you're kind of weak, but you're going to, you're going to hit Send the other person. Downhill. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Well, I cannot wait to see that. I love Guy Pierce. I love that whole cast looks incredible and you're incredible. And I'm so Thank happy you. that we've been able to connect and to get to know each other a little bit better. Yeah. And I look forward to all the things that you have coming your way. And if there's anything I can ever help you with, please don't ever hesitate to ask. And thank you for coming on the show. Do you know any last, last looks? Well, uh, just one, a uh, couple of questions, two two questions. One, you've, apart from your sort of X Games escapades and all that sort of thing, yeah. I, I I did have a good laugh reading about your first triathlon. That was a, that's a hell of a story. I'll, oh, put yeah. the link, I'll put the link to that in the show notes. But yeah. I also, I also got a buzz out of, this is, I'm going to read the quote. Someone from the US ski team contacted me and they're basically like, hey, we've seen some videos of you and you look like you're just dumb enough to want to try this. Tell us about how yeah. you came to the skeleton. That's unbelievable. Yeah, a guy reached out to me, David Kurtz, who is the Olympic team like organizer for a skeleton and bobsled, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Hey, you're doing, you know, BMX. You know, I was doing double flips and you know stuff like that, and single flips with. I lost my leg, and then I relearned backflips, right, on BMX bikes. So like I was like <laughs> relearned tail whips and a couple other things, and they're like, yeah." You want to go downhill face first on your stomach, no brakes, 75 miles an hour with five G's in the corners. Like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> and so I went up there and, and started training. It was first thing was in Canada. I was in Calgary. And then I started competing and going around all the different ones and beat everybody. And I was sorry, everybody who's out there, but I crushed you. (laughs) And then uh, I was loving it. And I was going to go to the Olympics and compete. And I was pretty sure this isn't me cocky, but I was pretty sure I was going to win. Like I was beating people by like half a second to a second, which is forever, you know? And, and then the Olympic committee pulled it from the Paralympics saying, Oh, we're not going to do it this year. And then I was like, well, I'm not going to do it for another four years, you know, and train (laughs) not to go to the Olympics just to go win some regionals. I got other stuff to do. I'm just so in awe of you. You do more, you know, in a morning than I do, you know, in a month, I'm sure just based on your Instagrams and your TikToks. So it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Both of you guys. Thank you so much. It's been fun. All right, and for now, this is Killer Casting signing off. Killer Casting is a concept created by her, Lisa Zambetti. It is produced by me, Dean Laffin. Logo art by my beautiful wife, April Laffin. Audio editing by him, Sean at choicevoiceproductions.com. And our theme music, We Are Beautiful, comes from them. That would be Hollywood Legends Amphibious Zoo Music. Until next time, Killer Casting, out.